This morning we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. And I was sharing with uh, Daniel this morning, our worship leader, how I love the worship music this morning because it's about love. It's all about Christ. It's all about the foundation that is Christ Jesus, our love. And that's what we read in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians, right? It says, for the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, right? But for him who died for them and rose again. Now let me start by telling you this. So many had texted me the other day, and, and he had asked me to teach this Sunday. And uh, as I scoured through the scripture, I went scripture after scripture after scripture, hoping to feel the Spirit say, yes, touch on that one. But you know what? That on nada, right? Nothing. And I'm like, really, Lord? Like, usually I'm, I'm, I'm watching a Bible study, and God's giving me things, and I'm writing down and just enjoying it. But this day, nothing. So I, like, I spent the rest of the day just praying at work and, and praising the Lord and then got home and went to bed and about 2.45 in the morning, I hear the Lord say, arise and write. And I said, Lord, it's cold. You know, you're under your blankets, right? It's like calentito. You're like a little tamal in there. Just like, oh, yeah. And uh, I heard it again. Arise and write. I said, okay, Lord. And then I began, you know, I got up. I began to write. Now, the thing was, before I went to bed, and even throughout that day, I had been praying about God's love and thanking the Lord for his love and just saying, Lord, fill me with your love. I want your love, Lord. And then as I went to bed, I said, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done always in my life through your love. Always, Lord. And that was my whole theme of the day, which was love. And it's amazing because at that moment, the Lord shows me this. And I was like, oh, cool. You know? And I was amazed because the first thing we read about is Christ compelling love. Now, there's two types of loves in this world, right? There's human love, which I say it's very shallow. And then there's a compelling love that comes from Christ, which is a deep love. It's two very types of different loves. One comes from the deep well of love found in the sacrifice Savior who died for sins, okay, for all our sins, all humanity, that we may be saved from what? From God's condemnation, from, from God's wrath, God's punishment on account of our sinful and disobedient behavior of life, right? Like, honestly. We all disobey the Lord, even as believers. There's times when I think we all deserve an algada, a little spanking. And the Lord is good to do that. But the other love is human love, which is limited in its capacity to give, to forgive. And it's limited in its grace. It's limited in, in its just being merciful. Yet God's love, this love found in Christ Jesus, is a different type of love. It's a merciful love. It's 
a compassionate love. It's a deep love. You know, I've heard people say, well, if God loves people, then why does he judge homosexuals? Why does he not love women, you know, people who behave, whether men or women, in a promiscuous lifestyle? Because that's sin. That's not what God chose for us. That's what we choose for ourselves, sin. We choose to sin and disobey the Lord. God only desires that we grow in love with him and that we learn to love like he loves. He chose us, every one of us. He called us all by name. You know, why would I make this distinction between these two loves? Well, for once, I often talk to people and a lot of times I, I find there's those that say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah. And as we get deeper into our conversation, I find that they waver. They, they're wavering in their love for the Lord. They're not fully committed. They got one sin or one foot in the world and one foot in the church. They're not all the way in. It's like when you go to the pool, right? You stick your foot in there. You go, caramba, that's cold. Or sometimes you get into uh, one of those saunas and you're like, oh, this is hot. Well, that's what some people are. So they're not in all the way. And we want to be in all the way in Christ's love. We want to be fully submerged. It's like, you know, sharing with the first service. It's like going from your backyard pool to, say, an Olympic-sized pool or the ocean, right? You know, that type of love. Deep love, vast, immense, immeasurable. That's the kind of love that Christ has to offer us. Not because we deserve it. We're an undeserving people. We really don't deserve that kind of love. I, I know I don't. Um, you know, we're going to be having the choir, right, for the children. Now, before I became a believer, my children were involved in choir when we used to be at, at West Covina, at the old church, before we came here. When we start, Before we started Calvary Chapel Monte, we used to be in West Covina and during Christmas time, my, um, my son and daughter were in choir, and my wife used to take them on Mondays. And as she would drop them off in class, she would walk out, and there was a class there for drug addictions, for drug addicts, for people addicted to porn, for different types of addictions. And my wife would just sit in there. She wasn't addicted, but she just enjoyed sitting in, listening. And she shared with them about me, my situations, where I was at, and they prayed for me, and then um, God used that choir ministry to save me. Because on January 21st at 7.30 p.m., that's when I walked into that church, and I gave my life to Christ. See, God can use anything, little children. You know, my daughter's 27 now. You'll see her up here. She, she usually wears a hat like I always do. She plays bass, guitar, does uh, the children, the youth. The worship for them, the youth or the women's worship. God uses her in many ways. I've always told her, you know, God gives you a gift, use it. Use it all the way. Use it for the love of the Lord. You know, use it in God's name. And Jesus' love, use that gift. And I always tell her, she's sitting here today, and I say, you know what? And if somebody ever comes to you and says, oh, I don't like the way you, you play or I don't like the way you sing, then ask them, how do you do it? And they say, I don't. Well, I prefer my style then. You know, simple as that, because I do it for the Lord. It's all for Christ, for the love of the Lord. And that's what we're looking at today is the love of Christ. How that love of Christ must compel us 
to go outside our own comfort zone. To step outside what makes us feel okay. That love that is unconditional. We serve him as he served us. Which means that we surrender completely, not partially. We don't say, okay, Lord, I want to give you half of my corazón, half my heart is for you. No, no, no. All my heart, all my life, all that I am belongs to you. Use it to your service, to your glory, and to your honor. You know, today we'll be having the, the food outside, right? The burritos. Well, guess what? When we go to Mexico, or you go to Guatemala, El Salvador, Colombia, Nepal, I was thinking of Tonio yesterday in the night, thinking of Tonio and, and Pasha, her husband, and how God had them in Nepal serving him over there. Why are they serving over there? They could be serving here. But you know what? They love the Lord and the Lord led them out there and they were obedient. They surrendered to God's perfect love and his will and they're out there serving him. So when we serve, we must serve out of what? Out of love. A devotion to a divine love that is greater than our own selves, greater than anything that we can comprehend, greater than anything that we think we can accomplish because God can do anything with any one of us who truly and fully commits our hearts to his love. You know, I was telling our, our Spanish study, study last week, I said, don't measure your life according to what to what's happened in your life in the past, to what you've done. But measure your life according to what he's doing now while you're serving him. And this brought us to our first point, Christ and love. It says, for the love of Christ compels us, right? Now, I, I read out of four different Bibles. The New King James, the Reina Valera, 1990, the Spanish. I read out of the Portuguese Bibles, and I read out of the uh, Christian Jewish Bible. And in the Jewish Bible, I love what it says. It says, for the Messiah's love has a hold of us. Okay? And that's what it's about. Christ, his love holding a, uh, having a hold of your heart. And my question is, does he have a hold of your heart? And do you have a hold of his heart? And by that I mean, if you make a fist, right? Now, you can't see nothing coming through. Is that how you hold the Lord? Or do you have a gap where you're like playing peekaboo with the Lord like I would with my niece? What type of a hold do you have in the Lord? And what type of hold does he have in your life? Because if you say, I love you, Lord, then are you submissive and are you willing to give everything over to him? Are you willing to surrender everything that is of the world to serve him? Because the first thing we see is his word love. You know that this word love is found no less than 100 times in the New Testament? No less than 100 times. No less than 100 verses in the New Testament mention the word love. That's how much God loves you that he wants you to understand I'm putting it in writing so you know there it's over and over and over and over so you know I love you. This love is what led what? Peter, John, Matthew, Luke, Mark to write gospels, to write letters, 
Paul the Apostle, right? We all know Paul the Apostle. Where was Paul doing before he got saved? He was on the road to Damascus to arrest Christian Jews and bring them before the, the Sanhedrin so they can be judged and killed. And one encounter, one encounter with Christ changed his entire life. One moment, one brief moment of this precious encounter changed his whole persona. His heart went from being hard as a rock to a beautiful, gentle heart, loving and merciful and compassionate, that he said, I will serve you, Lord, from this day forth. Because he finally got a hold of the agape love of Christ. That love letter that he wrote to the Ephesians where it says in Ephesians 5, 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Right? Because why? Because Christ is good. He's righteous. And he's the truth. You know, as, as, as believers, when you come to Christ, you do one thing. When you first receive the Lord, you, you got to repent of your sin. You say, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned against you. Please forgive my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you to come and live in my life. I ask you to change me. I ask you to transform me, to renew me, to make me a new creation. I don't want to be that same man anymore. I want the new life that you promised me. And God is faithful to accomplish that task when you do it out of a loving heart, a surrendering heart. Because I tell you this, because when I got saved, the next day, oh my gosh, I went to work, and I couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And I just met him the night before. Literally, like at 7.30 p.m., I met Jesus. And the next day, I just talked and talked and talked, to finally somebody said, shut up. But I was like, bro, you got to meet him. Like, serio, you got to meet Jesus. Because he got a hold of my heart. And he changed me in one night. Transformed who I was. Does God have that kind of an impact in your life? Does Christ impact your life like that on a daily basis that you're willing to share with people on the road? Does his love compel us to do that? To serve as he served, to give as he gave, to love as he loved, to be gentle as he was gentle. Because Christ died for us as an act of love towards a sinful humanity. Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor my covenant of peace be removed. You see, that peace can only come through the love of Christ. You're not going to find that peace in the world. But his peace, he leaves with you when you accept him. And that peace is to us, an undeserving person, an undeserving people, this beautiful and divine love, so that we may live as he lived. Because in Psalms 2.11 it says, Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Now, right now, in the back, they're serving the Lord. You know, preparing burritos. Right? And I was telling earlier, the, the first service, I said, man, I remember burritos were five bucks. Inflation raised them up to eight. <laughs> it's like, 
Show up with your five bucks and go, oh, no more? But how do we serve the Lord? What is your heart? What's, what's that, that desire to do for him? You know, we're going to be going to Mexico pretty soon. All that, the fundraisers and everything that's going on, guess what? We take it to Mexico. And those of you who have been to Mexico, you'll know. When you show up, those little ones, oh my gosh, they just light up your heart. I mean, it is amazing just to see them, how happy they get. The elders, when we serve the older people, when we go to visit the older people at the homes, man, they're just so happy that somebody cared enough to come visit them. Because a lot of times they're abandoned. And you go over there and you preach Christ to them and you embrace them and you love them and you pray with them. Is that the love that you have for Christ Jesus? Because John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. You're Christ's friends. You're God's children. And that's why that word here is written, compels, a compelling love. As God's children, as Christ's friend, are you compelled by the same love that compelled Christ to come from heaven, to leave behind his Shekinah glory and put on humanity and go to a cross, get beat, put on a, 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 a crown of thorns on his head. And those thorns are not little thorns. They're about this long. And have them jammed into your cranium. Come out the other side of your head. For love. Are you willing to love like that? Are you willing to go out? You know this last time we went to Mexico. I didn't share this with the first service. But some stuff was happening down there right. In in, uh, Baja. And I remember people were like. Dude you still going? Yeah. Don't you know what's going on down there? We're covered by Christ bro. Whatever happens, happens. I mean, I'm going down there because the Lord is leading us to go down there. I love my God. I can't tell the Lord, Lord, I only go if it's safe. So please, por favor, open up the roads for me that it's safe. I I can't. It's like, Lord, you want me to go? Orale. I was watching uh, Pastor Vodi yesterday, right? Vodi's in, what is it, Namibia or Zambibia, one of the two? He went to Africa. Like I said, Tonia went to Nepal. She was there for that crazy earthquake. And she's still there. For love. For love. Let me tell you, growing up in my home, there wasn't a love that I could brag about. At all. When I was growing up in my home, this is what I heard. You're an idiot. You're worthless. You're garbage. Why did I ever give birth to you? That's what I heard growing up. So I never knew what love was. True love. And this doesn't include the beatings or the other worst things that your parents say to you when they don't know how to love. It wasn't until I was 31, babe, when my mom sent that letter. Remember that letter? She said, oh, te quiero. I was like, te quiero, where's, where's amor? Te amo, you know, that's true love. Te amo, te quiero just means I like you. So how do you love the Lord or do you like the Lord? Which one is it? Ask yourself that question. Remember when you fell in love with the person you knew was the one you were going to marry? Right, you're excited. Oh, I met the one, yes. 
And you go around telling everybody, like, oh, bro, you got to meet this chick. Esta jaina está bien bonita. I love her. Like, serious, that's what we wear in the neighborhood, right? Right? Esta morra. Oh, man, this girl. And, he, and, you know, sometimes you're telling somebody that doesn't even have somebody that loves them back, and they're, like, getting annoyed with you. And you're like, really? Oh, okay, ya callate, shut up. But why? Because you're excited. You're in love. At least you think it's love. And you hope that that person loves you back the same way you feel about them. Well, just like that, when you meet Christ, does Christ's love get a hold of you in that way? Where you feel compelled, compelled to share with everyone about this immeasurable love that you received. This love that you cannot even express at times. This love that moves you to do things that are outside your comfort zone. This love that pushes you to go out to the streets. This love that at times, you know, you, you might think it, you're crazy because you're just sharing with random folks out in the streets or wherever you go, but you're like, you're excited to share. You see, this love brings about a spiritual revival. When I got saved, I would hit the streets of El Monte by myself. And my wife never liked it. But, you know, I would hit the streets of El Monte just sharing with people on the streets. Hey, Jesus loves you, man, and this and that. And people would, like, some would be okay, some wouldn't accept it. I even got threatened one time with a filero, a shank about that big. I'm going to shank you with this, bro, if you shut up. All right, that's cool. You don't like it? You don't want to hear it? Fine. God bless you still. Walked away. I had become fearless in the love of Christ. I just wanted people to know what I discovered, that treasure that I found in the love of Christ. See, this love brings us out of discouraging situations. This love can bring us out of anxiety, out of depression. It strengthens us when we're in doubts. Delivers us to worship when the storms of life are turbulent. Because Christ's love is peace or shalom. Right? This peace of God that no matter what situation you're going through, you know He will carry you. When in sickness, His love comforts us. When persecuted, it helps us persevere. I'm reminded of Paul and Barnabas in prison singing songs of praise in Acts 16.25. You know, here they were in jail, right? Beaten. Laying on the floor, feet locked up in chains, cold dungeon. They weren't there saying, Ay, Señor, si me quieres porque estoy aquí. If you love me, why am I here, Lord? I thought you loved me. You were going to protect me. Because I hear people talk like that, like about the Lord. And it's like, seriously? No, they were singing songs of praise. Man, they're in jail and they're excited. I mean, they're excited. It's amazing. When I read that passage in the Bible, and I was like, dude, I want that heart in my life. And even the toughest of situations, Paul was still praising God. And here, sometimes, we find ourselves in a little bit of financial situation, and we're complaining, nagging, ungrateful. 
And yet we forget everything else that the love of God has given us. You know, it, it's sad. I'll share this with you guys. You know, some of you know, and part of my, like I said about my background, you know, I was born to a Catholic mother and a Jewish father. My mom and dad had an arranged marriage, just as my Israeli-born grandmother and my Jewish grandfather had an arranged marriage, and their parents had arranged marriages. Now, the one thing that I know after talking to my mom about this is that she shared with me how when hers and my dad's marriage was arranged, they didn't love each other. My mom felt no love for him. So it takes a year before the wedding. And then even after the wedding, it took her a while to fall in love with my dad. But only after she saw his gentle spirit, his calm spirit, and his calm nature, which my son, has, we get a kick out of because my son is identical to my dad in that sense. Real calm, soft-spoken, gentle. And unfortunately, their marriage fell apart after the death of my brother. My mom moved on, made a new family. We were sent to live with, me and my sister were sent to live with my grandparents, and they did the best we could. And I loved living with my grandparents. We had horses, we had cows, chickens, gallinas running around, right? We were loving it. But then we had to move in with my mom. And living at my mom's house, like I said, we didn't experience that love. Our grandparents tried their best to give us the love they could. So I grew up most of my life not knowing what true love was until the age of 28 when I met Christ Jesus, and he changed my life. And I have to ask you, has Christ's love changed your life? Has he impacted you in such a way where you can say, I want everybody to feel this love. Because see, when you have the love of Christ, you also have what? You have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of love, as we saw in in Acts 2, right? When the spirit descended upon the church. And immediately, they start sharing the gospel with the rest of the Jews in Jerusalem. And people got saved. This love is the type of love that binds you and me to God the Father and brings us into a complete relationship with our Father that helps us to not hold grudges, but allows us to bear much fruit. And this fruit can only come through who? Through the Spirit of the Lord, right? Because we read in Galatians 5.22 where it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. So let me ask you. Are you long-suffering? Are you patient? Are you kind, compassionate, merciful? Are you full of goodness? Do you practice self-control? Are you imitating all these things of the fruit of the Spirit? Do you have joy every day in your life? A lot of times... What I find is that a lot of Christians don't have that joy in their life. They're literally running on empty. See, the same spirit which dwelt in Christ also dwells in us. If he lives in us, then his love must also become what? A consuming love. And you must yearn. You know what that word yearn means? Desire. Longing. 
for all of it, all that love to come. For his love that has brought us into a salvation preaching love. Most Christians don't understand or know this type of love. Why? Because they fail to give themselves completely over to the Lord. Surrender everything you are. Everything you think you know, surrender it all to the love of Christ. It's got to become a compelling love. A love that you're willing to share with everybody, no matter where you go. I shared this with uh, our first service earlier. We had a Margaret Chavez um, memorial service a while back, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a, one of the most impacting memorials. And I had to tell my brother in Christ who, lived, who just moved to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, how listening to all these people give testimonies on, on Margaret moved me to cry. Because you know what I heard? Love. Love, 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 everywhere. Carol was telling us a story, right? Carol took care of her. Carol was telling us a story. When they were younger, they would go to the mall. And Margaret would see somebody across the other side of the mall. She'd be like, Perata aquí, wait here, I'll be back. Make a beeline over there to go share the love of Christ with this person. Next thing you know, she sees Margaret just praying over people. And people come into Christ. She said, we get in an elevator, and you knew she was going to start sharing the gospel. I mean, you knew people were going to get saved in that elevator because the love of Christ compelled her. If you had the pleasure of meeting Margaret, oh my gosh. She was a spiritual giant. To me, she was a spiritual mother. I saw nothing but love because if you knew Margaret's childhood story and you knew Margaret, the woman, Oh, my Lord, if God do a work in her life, it was gorgeous. Now, me personally, I'll share this with you guys, and I, I, I thought about this. Now, I've never understood that whole WWJD thing. Never have. I always used to think, I'm not into what he would do, but I'm into what did he do. Because when I read the scriptures, this is what Christ did. First, John 9, we read the poor beggar. He already knew what he would do for this man. Right? Poor blind beggar knew Jesus knew. I'm going to give him his sight back. Born blind, lived blind all his life, and gives him his sight back. How about teaching the scriptures to the uneducated Jews in Luke 6, 20 and 22? When we read about the Beatitudes. I want you to understand this. In those days, you couldn't just pick up a Torah, the scrolls, right, the scriptures, and read it for yourself. Most of these people were illiterate. They couldn't read. We have so many options. You can get a phone, download a Bible, get a tablet or an iPad, get your Bibles and read the scriptures, read about God's love. These people didn't have that opportunity. So Jesus, being the truth and being the living Torah, because that's what Torah means, truth. Being the living Torah, he came down from heaven to teach us how to love. How to love sincerely. How to love with the true devotional love. How to demonstrate that love. In John 14, 6, it said, 
Jesus saying, said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he came down so that we can go to the Father. And he did that out of love. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. What was the greatest expression of Christ's love towards us? The cross. I mean, are you willing to die for somebody you know? Are you really willing to put your life on the line? If that moment should come, because Christ did, remember he, he showed compassion for the poor, right? His love for, for all of us, the, the compassion for the lost, tenderness towards the spiritually hungry and the physically lame. We read that in Mark 2, 4, 12. He chastised the Pharisees for the hardness of their hearts. And even the disciples, when they didn't get it, how they were supposed to be. So I look to him to know what I have to be, how I have to live. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite uh, authors, wrote this in his book, Rut, Rot, or Revival. It says, as Christians, we are either in a rut, a rot, or a revival. So this question is for all of us. And we should be asking ourselves, which applies to me? Am I in a rut? Am I stuck in a rut? How do I get out of a rut? You pray. You ask God to come to you. You ask God for, for revival in your life. You ask God's love to get you out of this rut, this situation you're stuck in where you feel like you don't have love in your life, like you're struggling in your daily walk. You say, Lord, here I am. Teach me. Mold me. Shape me. Instruct me. Break me. But the only way this is going to happen is through prayer. If you don't spend time in prayer, you know what's going on? You're rotting spiritually. So here's my question, any takers. How many of you pray for at least one hour a month? Just one hour a month. How about one hour a week? How about 30 minutes a week? 15 minutes? Five? Commercial break during one of your favorite shows? Five minutes. Five minutes committed to the Lord. Do you know that the majority of Christians don't spend any time in prayer? Because they're so busy. They're busy about their lives. Oh, I'm busy doing this. I got to take the kids to the game. Then I got to come home and clean. Then I got to cook. And then I got to do this. Then I got laundry. Hey, what happened to prayer? I ain't got no time for prayer. And that's what explains the situation in your life. If you can't spend five minutes in prayer, you're in trouble. Spiritually, you're going to be hurting. You're running on empty. I don't tell you to boast or to brag. My wife can testify. My daughter, they'll tell you. My son, every Friday, you know what I do? I fast and I spend it in prayer what I do on Fridays through Saturdays. I fast and I pray. Although I pray every day at work as I work, I'm praying, praying, praying every day, talking to the Lord. Sometimes I got to put on my AirPods so people don't think I'm crazy. But that's what I do. You know why? Because I'm scared to the bone 
or sliding away from God's love. I want to feel the presence of God's love every day in my life. I'm not a super saint. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. She's right there. She'll tell you. I'm this close, but not yet. She's ready to throw a chunk at me. But, you know, I do it because I want to be closer to Christ. I want to be filled with the love of the Lord. And I want to love like He loves. I can't learn to love like He loves if I don't spend no time with the one who is love. How can I love people if I don't spend time with Him? It's impossible. As Christians, we should be spending time with Him. As Christians, we should be desiring, yearning for His attention. As Christians, we should be on our knees without even thinking about it twice. Should I pray? Charlie, I'm going to pray. Because I want you to understand this. Christ's love and Christ's salvation is offered to all. But you are free to choose to remain in it. Or you can walk away from it at any time. If you've ever experienced the love of God and you choose to walk away, man, that's sad. See, we don't work for our salvation. Our salvation is found in Christ through His love on the cross. This compelling love is what motivates us to serve Him. To go to Mexico and serve the people down there. To serve in the back right now, serving burritos, right? Some of y'all are going to be busy this weekend. Well, this was it Thursday, right? You're going to be busy. You're going to be busy uh, baking. Maybe ham, cooking ham, turkey. Some of y'all are going to be busy making some delicious buttery, flavory cornbread. But how are you going to do it? Are you going to do it with joy? Like seriously, are you going to be excited to cook for those who are coming? Or are you going to be grumbling and complaining? You're going to be saying, "Ay, por qué tengo que hacer todo? Nadie me ayuda." I used to hear that when I was younger. Nobody helps me. Why are all the dishes dirty? Nobody's washing dishes. You not see me cooking over here and dirties their dishes? Somebody help me. Boil the pot. You know, it's like, what is going to be your heart? You know, where's your heart in it? And are you going to be thankful to the Lord that you're able to spend Thanksgiving with your loved ones? Are you going to say, thank you, Jesus, that you have allowed me to demonstrate love to my beloved ones, to those who are coming? You know, because once everybody arrives, right, everybody's all smiles. Oh, como están? Come on, welcome, welcome. But before that, mother, that's what I remember. It's like, seriously, we're, you're fighting. But that's the truth. Guys, when we do things, got to do them for Christ. Are you going to be a Mary or are you going to be a Martha? You choose. Which one do you want to be? You want to be the complainer, the one that says, Lord, look at her. She's just sitting here. I'm in the back. Which one are you going to be? Are you going to be a grateful, joyful person who gives out of a loving heart as Christ gave to you? And you're going to bless those who are in need? Or are you going to be a grumbler?
Because see, in heaven, there's no grumbling. There's no complaining. I've learned one thing. I need to learn to love here. The people that I live with here, especially in the body of Christ, because if I can't love them here, how am I going to love them eternally in heaven? How am I going to be able to see their face every day and smile and say, how are you, knowing I hate them? Or I have something against them? It's impossible. See, the love of Christ, I just throw everything a la basura to the trash. You know what, trash? I always tell my family that pride, arrogance, throw it on the trash and leave it there. And surrender yourself to the love of Christ. You know, my wife, she's always good at reminding me, lead by example. All the time, babe, got to lead by example. So go wash my car. <laughs> oh, lead by example, eh? Here's five bucks. No, but, but seriously, like, how are we going to love? What type of a love are we going to have? Are we going to have a superficial love? Are we going to have a deep love? Are we going to have a love that holds no grudges and just no matter what, just loves people? Does Christ love? Or are we going to be whiners and complainers and you name it? Why do I say that? Because it says in verse 15, he died for all. All means all humanity. Each and every one of us. The fact that we're standing here today, that's God's love. The fact that I'm not dead and buried somewhere, that's God's love. The fact that I'm not sitting in a prison cell, that's God's love. Because he died for me that I can avoid all of that. Why? That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. See, I don't live for myself. I lived for myself once and it was ugly. It was like, gotcha, right? Like, pfft, sick. I was sharing with first service. I said, when I live for myself, my wife and my kids would be going to service on a Sunday morning and my wife or the kids, either one will come in in the room and I'd be laying in bed all crude, all hungover, and they'd be like, you want to go to church with us? No. I wanted nothing to do with Christ. And I used to tell them, my wife can testify, she'd tell you, I used to tell her, get out of here. Go, go, go do your, you know, nonsense religious things. That was my point of view till I met him. And I realized how wrong I was. And I realized how much he loved me. And I realized that I should no longer live for myself, but for him who died for me. That he rose on the third day, that I may rise up one day. And that's love. That's the love of Christ. That's the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Yeshua that I serve. And whether I read it in the in the Hebrew or I read it in the 
in Portuguese or I read it in Espanol or I read it in English. It's all the same love to different people in different languages in different nations. Because that was the last commandment that he gave to the disciples at the end of Matthew. Go out into all the world and make disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever read the account of the disciples, how they died? How Mark was dragged through the streets of Alexandria and torn to pieces because he went preaching Christ and the love of Christ? Or how Matthew ended up in what today is called um, Bombay or Mumbai, India, and was crucified in an exposition because he went to go preach Christ's salvation and the love of the Lord? Or Luke, how he was hung on a tree in Macedonia because he was preaching the love of Christ? See, all those men, so many women throughout history have given their lives for the love of Christ so that we who are alive can share the gospel with those who are on the streets. When we walk the streets and we have an extra 10 bucks and you see somebody hungry, you ever say, bro, come on, Kyle, ¿Quieres un taco? Un burrito, carnal, ¿qué quieres? Come on. You hungry? Yeah. All right, let's go. And then you give them a burrito and you say, can I pray for you? Can I talk to you about Jesus? Do we do that? Or do we see somebody hungry and we're like, oh, my tripas are talking. Burrito, please. And you walk away. Man, that's hard. I mean, I cannot see Jesus seeing somebody hungry and saying, oh, well. You know what I saw? I saw Jesus feed 5,000 men plus another 4,000 women at least. And how many kids were there? That's what I saw. How he cared for these people. How he loved these people. Sometimes we have to just die to ourselves. I always encourage Christians to fast. Fast, bro, one day a week. Just fast. Don't eat and spend it in prayer. And most people will say, oh, no, it's because I get hungrier. Whatever, you know, I need it for my medicine. That's fine. If you need it for medicine, you know, you can eat a little bit with your medicine. But spend at least one day a week in prayer and fasting and seeking the will and the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because if we don't spend time in prayer, we're going to be hurting. We're going to be running on empty. Every morning before I leave for work, I grab my daughter. Come on, Naomi, let's go pray. Morning after morning, her and I just pray. Because I don't want to walk out my house and not show my wife or my kids how much I love them that I wouldn't pray with them. Like I said, I grew up without hearing I love you. But my son's 25, taller than me. I give him a big old, you know, Papa Bear hug, squeeze him, and I tell him, yeah, you may be taller than me, but I'm still stronger and better. But I love you. And I give him a big old kiss on his cheek. You know, I do that with my daughter. A gentle love and a gentle kiss. My wife. Why? Because I want them to know I love them. I want them to feel the love of Christ. Because he died so that I could live. So that I can express that love to my family that he expressed to me. When I'm in prayer and I feel the love of Christ. When I'm in prayer 
and I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit upon me. When I'm in prayer and I hear the voice of my Father in heaven speak to me. If I don't pray and if I don't love, then how could I hear God at 2.45 in the morning say, get up and arise and write? You know, you can't. You have to be in prayer. I gave the task to, because uh, I teach the, the high schoolers, you know, I taught them apologetics over the last two years. You know, they're in high school and people will be like, you're teaching them apologetics? Yes, I am. They need to know how to defend their faith and know what they believe and why they believe it. So when they get into a God-hating university, they know they're strong in their foundation of Jesus Christ. And I tell them, I don't do this here because I want to. I do it because I love you. And I want you to be strong in your faith. And so I gave them a task this week, and hopefully they remember that it was supposed to be done this Sunday in service. And we're going to discuss it on Friday. And only they know the task. I don't want to share it. But you know what? Everything we do, everything we are, our very lives must reflect the love of Jesus Christ. If our love is not reflected and the world cannot see it, then who are we? Do we represent Him? Are we no different from the world? You know, I shared with first service, I said, it sounds funny, but I have no idea anything about sports. I don't watch sports. I could care less about sports. I said, if I'm going to spend four hours, three hours watching sports, I'd rather spend three hours, four hours watching something on TV that's going to edify me, whether it be the Daily Bread Bible Studies, listening to Manny, or whomever. You know, listening to Vody Bachman yesterday for about an hour. If I can do that, which glorifies the Lord and edifies me, I'd rather do that. I had no idea there was even a Super Bowl coming up. Because I could care less. And my coworkers get a kick out of it. And they ask me, what do you do? Well, guess what? All those coworkers now, when they want to talk, they talk to me. They tell me, hey, bro, this is going on. Can you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you. See, I, I one day when we were sitting around, they asked me how come I don't watch sports. And I said, let me ask you a question. If you spend three or four hours watching sports, right, and learning statistics on baseball, who struck out how many times, how many times this guy threw the ball, who caught how many passes or whatever, when you're struggling in life, does any of that help you get through those struggles? And one of them looked at me and he's like, no. Can you count on that to give you hope? No. Well, that's why I focus on Christ. Because when I'm going through trials, the Lord brings back to memory Scripture or something that a pastor said that he went through and he got him through it. And I say, okay. You know, I don't mind if people watch sports. That's cool and all. But for me personally, that's something the Lord gave me. For me, I don't, I haven't watched sports in years. I could care less. You know, I'd rather just focus on what Jesus did. That's it. 
Because on Sunday mornings when I'm here, I want to be Christ-centered. Not Dodger Center or whoever is playing for the day. Because that's what happens in the church. A lot of times church is too busy thinking about the game that's going to be going on that day. Instead of focusing on the lover of my soul, Jesus Christ. That's all I want. You know, I've, I took my wife to a rodeo. I grew up with that, right? So I took her to a rodeo. She had never been to one. And she thought it was the coolest thing. You know, watching the little ones run around and, you know, put them on a sheep and see the little ones. And they fall over and run over. It's hilarious. My nephews used to do that when they were little. Mount them on sheep. and. But even then, you know, that, uh, that type of sport, there's numbers to be kept, points to be kept. I have no idea who's doing anything. There was a time when I would have, but I don't care about that anymore. All I care about is Christ and Him crucified and the love that He has for me and how I can help others to come to know that love for themselves. You know, this morning before we leave, if, if you're struggling and you feel empty in your soul, you feel that, that vast emptiness like you're drained, just pray. That's my brother and sister, come up here, do worship. Ask the Lord to touch your heart and ask him to fill your life with his love. To pour his spirit upon you and to lead you every day. Because that's what we need more than anything is the love of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you, we thank you, Lord, for another wonderful day. And I ask you, Lord, this morning, just to bless the, the burritos outside, Lord, to bless those who are working outside, preparing the food with much love, Lord. They were here early, Father, just after seven they were here already preparing, Lord. You know, as we were getting the text, I saw how excited they were. They were actually excited, Lord, to be here at seven in the morning to get ready to, to serve. So let us be excited the same way, Lord, as we demonstrate our love towards you. Help us to live for you. Help us to glorify you. Help us to walk in faithfulness, Lord. Help us to live every day of our lives in your love. To be committed to your truth. And to live with the knowledge that our Savior loved us. Demonstrated it. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we thank you.